this week in professional wrestling just so happened to be a fairly eventful week, a fairly historic weekend all in and the StarCast convention are in the books. Cody Rhodes is your new NWA World Heavyweight Champion. Chris Jericho made an appearance on a non-WWE show in the United States and challenged Kenny Omega to Alpha vs. Omega 2 uh, on the Jericho Cruise, which sails from Miami to the Bahamas at the end of October next year. So what a crazy night all in was. Let's start things off with Cody becoming the new NWA World Heavyweight Champion. It's a title his father won three times over. Uh, Dusty Rhodes was a three-time NWA World Heavyweight Champion. However, it should be pointed out that Dusty never held the title for too long. Between his three runs as NWA World Heavyweight Champion, he only held the title for a combined 107 days. You compare that to Nick Aldis, who just uh, went 265 days, I believe, with the NWA title. So with Cody's father, the drama was always in the chase of the title and not so much holding the title itself. But there was definitely a very old-school feel to the match between Cody and Nick Aldis at All In. It felt unique from the rest of the matches on the show. There was a lot of diverse styles on the show. However, the NWA World Heavyweight Championship match, I believe the style there stood out more so for the old school flavor it has. For For those that haven't been following the NWA over the last... 10 months. Billy Corgan took ownership on October 1st last year. He had completed the purchase a few months before beforehand, but he really took ownership on October 1st. At the time, Tim Storm, who is a school teacher and was in his 50s, he was the NWA champion. Billy Corgan took over. You would have to imagine he knew he wanted to move the title on to somebody else. Likely, he always had Nick Aldis in mind as the first traveling champion of his era of the NWA. But they started with Tim Storm. They gave him a few months as champion, and they would debut the 10 Pounds of Gold YouTube documentary series, and they would follow Tim as he attempted to defend the title. He would eventually lose the title to Nick Aldis in December on a show for CZW. And then at that point, Aldis just went about his independent career, but he would always bring the NWA title with him, and he would defend the NWA title on other people's shows. And that's just the model that the NWA has gone with over the last 10 months is they've had cameras follow around the champion, and then they've played these stories out on YouTube. A lot of times Nick Aldis will be on Championship Wrestling from Hollywood, or Tim Storm was. Uh, Those episodes are available free on the Fight app, if you want to check that out. Um, But, 
Nick Aldis is now a former champion, <laughs> having lost it to Cody. So, so we start things off, and this match was like fourth or fifth match in. So, it, it, it was not, it not only did it not go on last, and didn't go on anywhere near last. As for the reasoning for this, I think Cody wanted to put on his executive producer hat for the final half of the show. And so what it sounds like is the Young Bucks were working the gorilla position for the first half. Then after Cody's match, Cody put on the headset. He worked gorilla, and the Young Bucks were able to get ready for their match. So it starts... So this match takes place like halfway through the pay-per-view. And from the get-go, there's a different feel. Cody walks out. Cody's got Diamond Dallas Page in his corner. He's got Brandy. He's got Farrow. Each wrestler came to the ring with a fight team. And then Nick Aldis, he comes out. And in his corner is another former NWA World Heavyweight Champion in Tim Storm. But also former NWA World Heavyweight Champion Jeff Jarrett. Now Jarrett, a lot of people were a little surprised to see Jarrett in Aldis's entourage as... Uh, Jarrett and Aldis had a bit of a falling out last year. Aldis was the world heavyweight champion of Jarrett's Global Force Wrestling. Aldis, in 2017, elected not to sign another contract with Global Force Wrestling because Jarrett wanted all GFW wrestlers to have a clause in their contract that says they have to pay Jeff 10%, or Global Force Wrestling to Jeff, uh, they have to pay Jeff 10% of what they earn on the independent scene with the reasoning being they're going to be such bigger stars as a result of the star-making machine that is Global Force Wrestling uh, that they would be worth more on the independent scene so then Jarrett should get that money. The same kind of contracts Jarrett was offering talent when he was briefly the head of TNA Wrestling uh, last year as well. And it was said to be this 10% deal that had the Hardys and, and Jarrett so um, clashing heads. And I guess Jarrett had convinced Anthem that these that putting in this 10% clause was a you know something reasonable to do. And of course now in Impact Wrestling you've got Don Callis and Scott Demore, and they've done a complete 180 from the type of contracts that Jeff Jarrett was handing out at the time. So anyway, long story short, Jarrett and Nick Aldis um, had a falling out over the contracts that Jarrett was offering for both Global Force Wrestling and Impact Wrestling. Uh, Aldis came in on a handshake deal to drop the belt, the GFW belt, to Alberto El Patron on an episode of Impact Wrestling last summer. Then he wrestled one more match for them, and then he was gone. He hasn't been back in Impact or Global Force Wrestling since. So Aldis put out a tweet this morning um, in response to Jarrett being in his entourage for this match. And long, post, short, basically what Aldis said is me and Jarrett did have a falling out. I think Jarrett and, and Aldis were friends before that, obviously. And uh, Aldis said he wanted, he believes in second chances and he wanted to give a second chance to the man who gave him his first chance to be a world champion. So Jarrett, Jarrett's situation these days, um, 
is a little contentious. He's filed lawsuit, uh, filed a lawsuit against Impact Wrestling, claiming that the Global Wrestling Network is a little too close to his um, an intellectual property rights over Global Force Wrestling. Uh, also, the new titles that were uh, purchased uh, when uh, Impact and Global Force looked like they were merging. Anyway, so there's some intellectual property rights lawsuits going on uh, between Jeff Jarrett and Impact Wrestling uh, right now. Meanwhile, if you go to AAA Lucha Libra, Jeff Jarrett is teaming with guys like Brian Cage and Killer Cross, who are all making their living in Impact Wrestling right now. So that must be an interesting uh, scenario. So Jarrett, uh, of course, was let go from his role of uh, president of Impact Wrestling last year, not long after there was some concerns that Jeff was inebriated backstage at a AAA show. So Nick Aldis putting out this tweet, but going back to Cody Rhodes winning the NWA World Heavyweight Championship on Saturday night. So... This match didn't wrestle like a modern-day match did either. And I think that's one of the the things that has wrestling fans so excited about this era of professional wrestling is you have all these different promotions. And many of them have a very different theory as to what professional wrestling should be. And they're presenting that. So fans are getting all sorts of different options for promotions and for styles of professional wrestling right now. If you are a big fan of old school NWA wrestling, Billy Corgan wants to cater to you. And I I think he made that very clear in this match. This was not a Ring of Honor match. It was not an Impact Wrestling match. It wasn't a WWE match for sure, especially with all the blood. Uh, this was an NWA title. I mean, brought into the modern world a little bit, obviously. But the finishing sequence was Cody reversed a sunset flip into a pinning combination. Excuse me. A la How the British Bulldog Beat Bret Hart in that SummerSlam that was held in uh, Wembley. So Cody hooks the legs. Gets a counter three, so this isn't, you know, everybody today wins with their finisher or wins with, uh, um, you know, if you're going to win with a pinning combination, it's usually like a, like a thumb to the eye and then a pinning combination or something along those lines. But this was just a straight up wrestling match, one with a clever pinning combination. And just like as what would happen back in the 70s or 80s or even before then... Um, right after the three count, it didn't go immediately into Cody's music. It didn't go immediately into the official, um, match results announcement. There was just a silence, a silence for long enough for the fans to take in what was happening to kind of grasp it a little bit, to put as, as much ve or, uh, uh, to make the fans sort of question what they saw. Did we really see? Is this really happening? It was the same thing that they did. No, they, I mean, back in the day, there never used to be music, let alone music that would be played the second the three count is made or the second the match ends. Um, 
so I, I, the last time that I had seen this happen was at WrestleMania 30 when Brock Lesnar beat The Undertaker. There was just a moment of silence before they officially confirmed what you just witnessed. Um, in the case of Brock Lesnar Undertaker, I think WWE did that just to like, huh? Make everybody go, did I really see what I really saw? In this case, I think it was just, again, to show this is a promotion that takes a lot of things that were done back in the heyday of the NWA that maybe have been abandoned by modern wrestling. And we're going to we're, we're going to bring some of that stuff back. We're not going to bring all of that stuff back, but we're going to bring some of that stuff back. And it's going to be the stuff that Billy Corgan liked because he was the one that shelled out the bunny. Um, and, and that's the type of promotion the NWA is going to be. I mean, there might, I imagine there will be other stuff on it, but there was definitely a real play made at all in to showcase NWA world title matches. They're special. They're different. And they're different than, say, like a Ring of Honor World Championship match or an Impact World Championship match. So what you see in the NWA is going to be different than what you see in Ring of Honor. What you see in the NWA is definitely going to be different from what you see in Lucha Underground. But then the cool thing about professional wrestling these days is you'll get these shows where you get to see all of that. All right, so that's Cody... Winning the NWA World Heavyweight Championship. Now, when is Cody going to defend this title? Cody, he was... Uh, he did an interview with Jim Ross after after winning the championship. And he said he's going to carry on the tradition of just... Going, traveling around, of the traveling champion, what Nick Aldis was doing. Nick Aldis was traveling around everywhere and bringing the NWA title with him. Cody said, I'm bringing this NWA title with me. I don't care what promotion. This NWA title is coming with me. Cody's contracted to Ring of Honor. I would have to assume that the NWA title is going to be on Ring of Honor programming in the not-too-distant future. The Death Before Dishonor pay-per-view is coming up. Cody's got a tag match with his Bullet Club members against Chaos. I think Cody just said he's wearing the NWA title. So Billy Corgan and Ring of Honor have had to have worked something out. Ring of Honor, despite having a history of signing people to exclusive contracts, they seem to be all in, pardon the pun, on this idea of non-WWE wrestling promotions working together. And I think where you could see something like that come in is 2019 is going to be the biggest year for free agency and professional wrestling since the Monday Night War era. If WWE does decide, hey, we're going to put in a monster money offer to these guys. And remember, they've all said they're sticking together. The members of Bullet Club Elite, wherever one goes, they're all going next year. Marty Skrull's still locked up in uh, to a contract in 2019. So I don't, I, I don't know what that means, if that means that they're going to go to a promotion where Marty Skrull can also wrestle, uh, in which case not WWE. But it should be interesting. You know Don Callis wants to get his hands on some of the Bullet Club. He wants those guys in Impact. You know he does. Um, 
Now, from what I, I hear, it's been a little difficult to get a talent-sharing relationship with New Japan Pro Wrestling. Conan mentioned on his podcast that Impact's having a, a heck of a time trying to get a talent-sharing uh, arrangement with New Japan. New Japan's happy with their arrangements in Ring of Honor. They're happy with their arrangements uh, with CMLL. Now, Impact was able to get Taiji Ishimori, but you know they want the Bullet Club. So, does Impact Wrestling, Major League Wrestling, Billy Corgan's NWA, do they get together with Ring of Honor and say, look, we want to keep these guys away from WWE so we can at least get them on our programming a few times a year? What's stopping Court Bauer, Don Callis, um... Dario Cueto, <laughs> um, and all these uh, promotions from coming in and saying, look, you give us the bucks for six dates a year, and we'll chip in this much for our contract. Could that happen? Could that happen to try and keep people from going to WWE? Pentagon and Phoenix, there's all these rumors that WWE want them. From what it sounds like, they aren't taking bookings in 2019 to try and keep their schedule open for a potential free agency signing with WWE. What if... Now, Pentagon and Phoenix have played key roles in Impact Wrestling since the spring. Or whenever it is they came in. I think since WrestleMania weekend. You don't think Don Callis and Scott Demore and Ed Nordholm want to keep Pentagon and Phoenix? They do. What about Court Bauer and Major League Wrestling? Don't they want to keep Phoenix and Pentagon? Absolutely. Wouldn't Ring of Honor like Phoenix and Pentagon on their programming someday? Well, those promotions would have to work together. Uh, well, they don't have to, but it would be in their best interest to work together to provide an offer to those luchadors that's in the ballpark of what WWE can offer. And then you, on top of that, you offer flexible dates, more creative freedom, things like that. So that's something that's coming up in 2019 that I don't think a lot of wrestling fans are talking about, is this crazy period of free agency that's going to exist. Instead of WCW and Ted Turner's money, what you have is almost every other wrestling promotion in the world pooling their resources together to try and keep the top talent in the world from going to the top promotion in the world because that top promotion in the, in the world doesn't share. They don't share their wrestlers. Much. Hideo Tommy was in Pro Wrestling Noah. Brock Lesnar went to UFC. So that's an interesting thing that's going to be coming up. Um, so how's that going to work? You know, with Cody and the NWA. He, Cody is the NWA World Heavyweight Champion and Cody's contract with any professional wrestling organization is up in a few months. Uh, I believe his contract with Ring of Honor ends at the end of this year, as is the case with the Young Bucks. And is the case with Kenny Omega. Kenny Omega, uh, uh, well, New Japan Pro Wrestling always just signs their people to one-year deals. So, uh, the next, but the next thing coming up for the NWA... And Cody Rhodes, well, I mean, there's the Death Before Dishonor pay-per-view for Ring of Honor. There's the Destruction Tour in New Japan. But also, next month is the first 
NWA branded show under the Billy Corgan era. Now, it's in conjunction with Jeff Jarrett's Global Force Wrestling, but it is the first NWA branded pure show. Up until now, it had always been Nick Aldis showing up on Championship Wrestling from Hollywood, showing up in Combat Zone Wrestling, and showing up on other promotions. However, in October, to celebrate their 70th anniversary, Ring of Honor is going to run a show in Nashville... They haven't announced any of the uh, the matches, but it'll take place on the Na- the the famed Nashville Fairgrounds. Uh, it'll stream on Fight TV, and it's in conjunction with uh, Global Force Wrestling. Now, Billy Corgan has said that the NWA title will be defended on this show. Now, he said this before Nick Aldis lost the title, but, I mean, obviously the NWA World Heavyweight Championship is going to be defended on this show October 21st in the Nashville Fairgrounds, just six days before the Chris Jericho crew set sail. So while it's not confirmed, it can be heavily speculated that this is where we're going to get Nick Aldis versus Cody Rhodes too. And if Cody follows the same pattern of world championship reigns as his father, he's probably going to lose this match. But you know, Cody's already spent more time as a world champion than his father did. He held the Ring of Honor World Championship for like six months. His dad in total only ever held the NWA World Heavyweight Championship for 107 days. But it should be interesting, like, what else are we going to get on October 21st in the Nashville Fairgrounds? There's been a few wrestlers that the NWA has built up. Uh, We've seen Josephus, who is, uh, he works on that old independent promotion that Billy Corgan used to own. I can't remember what they're called now. But Josephus has, has been on NWA television, NWA's YouTube channel. Tim Storm, you would have to imagine Tim Storm is going to be on that show. Um, Crimson from from uh, old TNA. Crimson is someone that's uh, been linked to Billy Corgan's Impact Wrestling. But we've got, uh, what, seven, seven, eight weeks before this big event. Um, but... I would expect that we're going to get Aldis versus Rhodes 2 for the World Championship on October 21st. So if you enjoyed the NWA World Heavyweight Championship match that took place at All In, well, I think you're about to get the rematch on October 21st. So that should be pretty exciting. And uh, for for those who have been following the last year for NWA Wrestling... It uh, it seems like in 2018 they took a they went down an avenue they weren't expecting. Corgan had talked a little bit about throwing NWA branded shows in the spring 
However, now we're not going to get that to the fall. It does sort of sound like All In fell in their lap a little bit. And then that's where the focus went. Was okay, we've got this opportunity on the biggest independent wrestling show of all time. We've got a spot to feature our brand of wrestling. And we've got to put everything into that. And I think it worked out great. I think it worked out fantastic. I think a lot of people are looking forward to the next NWA World Heavyweight Championship match because they're going to expect the same kind of atmosphere that they got between Cody and Nick Aldis. And they can expect you're not going to get one of these seven-star Kenny Omega versus Kazuchika Okada matches. But what you will get is a match with a lot of psychology, a match with a little bit more realism, and a match that feels important. So you care about who wins and who loses. So I think that will be really good. And I think that Billy Corgan, the style of professional wrestling that Billy Corgan is going to present here in this new era of professional wrestling, uh, I think is going to be one of the more unique brands. But wow, think about this. Think about this. We are one year removed from Jeff Jarrett and Impact Wrestling thinking that just appearing on their television, and remember, Jarrett doesn't even have television, that they would make 10% more on the independent scene. Like, that was a mentality that existed a year ago. Fast forward to now. And promotions won't do anything to harm their talent from going to other promotions. Like, the deal that, like, you see Impact Wrestling and Major League Wrestling, and they're announcing, oh, we've signed Tessa Blanchard. We've signed Shane Strickland. But what they've signed them to is deals that say, you've got to make our tapings your top priority, but then you can do whatever else you want. We, you can appear on other people's programming. You can be whatever. You can do Whatever. So Tessa Blanchard, she can show up in Major League Wrestling tomorrow if she wants. Uh, well, no, they don't have a show. She can show up on Thursday when they're filming War Games. And she's totally free to be on their TV because Impact Wrestling's television isn't until the... Their television tapings aren't until the 13th and 14th of the next week. So as long as she can make those, she's fulfilling her contractual commitment to Impact Wrestling. Now, what's stopping Impact Wrestling from saying, hey, and going to Major League Wrestling and going to Ring of Honor and say, hey, let's stagger our TV dates so we can all use these talents and we can put in a joint offer to Pentagon and Phoenix to keep them from going to WWE. I don't think anything's stopping that from happening. Now, nobody is saying it's already happened. Not Court Bauer, not Joe Coff from Ring of Honor, uh, not Don Callis, Court Bowers from MLW, if you don't know. And not Dario Cueto from Lucha Underground. Or Antonio Cueto, sorry. Nobody's publicly saying, hey, you know, if you're not WWE, you're on our team. You're on our association, so to speak. So we'll see. But let's move on. I want to move on to... Chris Jericho being at All In. Chris Jericho invaded All In. There's two significant 
points of discussion for this. The first is that Chris Jericho appeared and in some way performed on a non-WWE pro wrestling show that was held in the United States. He had previously said he'd never done that, or he'd never do that. Recent comments, however, he has said, you know, he's sort of changed his mind on that. And there's been so many changes in the wrestling industry in the last two years that Jericho knows if he's going to stay relevant, if he's going to stay an edgy figure in the world of professional wrestling, he's got to go outside WWE. WWE is no longer the destination for creative, edgy wrestlers who want to make their mark. And that sentiment has been coming from basically every wrestler that participated in all in. So Jericho, the story is he arrived at all in in disguise at about 530. So a half hour before the show goes, he just hid in the Young Bucks uh, dressing room the whole time, put on his Pentagon gear. And then after Kenny Omega versus Pentagon, the lights go out. The lights come back on. Pentagon jumps back up. Some people were able to notice uh, fairly quickly that Pentagon had Chris Jericho's arm tattoos. And Pentagon gave Omega the code breaker and then told Omega he'd see him on the Chris Jericho cruise. So it certainly sounds like the second installment of Alpha versus Omega it's going to take place on the Chris Jericho cruise, which means unless you're on that boat, you're probably not going to see that match. There are numerous other matches that have been scheduled for Jericho's cruise. Uh, by the way, Jericho is saying the cruise uh, has less than 100 cabins to sell. And they set sail there at the end of October. So in addition to Alpha versus Omega 2, you're going to see the... The Bucks of Jericho, so that's Jericho and the Young Bucks going up against the Bullet Club Elite. So that's Cody, Marty Skrull, and Hangman Page. Going to see LAX versus the Young Bucks in a 5150 street fight. Ring of Honor is holding a Sea of Honor tournament with the winner getting a shot at the Ring of Honor World Championship. That all takes place on Chris Jericho's cruise. But I thought it was significant that Jericho made an appearance on a non-WWE wrestling show in the United States, does that mean he's ready to wrestle on a non-WWE wrestling show in the United States? We'll have to see. He's made some statements about wanting to be on that G1 Supercard, which is going to take place next spring at Madison Square Garden, a joint show between Ring of Honor and New Japan Pro Wrestling. So... I mean, love to go over the the rest of the results on the of all in. Truly, a, a it definitely felt historic. Um, running down the pre-show, SoCal uncensored. SCU defeated the Briscoes. Flip Gordon won the over the budget battle royal to earn an ROH World Championship shot against Jay Lethal. Flip had been dressed up as El Chico Luchador which is Rocky Romero's sort of uh, alter ego. And uh, Flip eliminated Bully Ray, who thought he had won the title at the end. Bully Ray eliminated Colt Cabana and then was eliminated by Flip Gordon, dressed up as El Chico Luchador. 
Matt Cross and MJF wrestled the opener. Matt Cross got the victory there in an opener that went about 18 minutes. Christopher Daniels defeated Arrow's Stephen Amell. And um, Tessa Blanchard won the four-way women's match between Tessa Blanchard, Madison Rain, Chelsea Green, and Britt Baker. Just want to say I like that Britt Baker now uh, has a degree in dentistry. Like, she's an official dentist. So she made it clear she came out as Dr. Britt Baker, MD or something. DMD. I don't know. She just made it very clear that she was a official dentist in this match. And I like that. I would like to see her, like, beat her opponent. And then, like, if she was in the NWA and needed an old school 80s gimmick, you know, she'd beat her opponent. Then after the match, she'd, like, you know, pry her mouth open and go, you've got plaque forming here. You've got a cavity form. I don't know. It's just something for her to do. But I thought this was a great match. Uh, Tessa Blanchard, I really do believe, is the brightest shining star of of women's wrestling uh, right now. And, of course, she won the Knockouts Championship on Impact as well. This week, she defeated uh, Allie and Sue Young. And so next week, she will take on Sue Young. Sue Young, the former champion. Else happened. Chelsea Green showed me a lot that match. I didn't. I didn't realize Chelsea Green was all that good until this match. I hadn't seen a lot of her. She was in Impact Wrestling during a time where I think many of us had decided to give up on the promotion. Um, uh, saw the the wedding that she was in the wedding scene with Maria and all that. And it's like for a wedding scene, it was fine. But I, I this was the first time that I'd really seen. Chelsea Green wrestle like, okay, I'm going out and we're going to have a great match. She was doing topes and uh, she had a lot of presence. I, I, yeah, she really showed me something. But uh, Tessa Blanchard, I do think if you're looking for the top women's wrestler that's outside WWE right now, I don't think you need to look farther than Tessa Blanchard. Uh, she's got a very old school style as well. Uh, she says she researches a lot of her dad's era And her stepdad's era, so that's Magnum T.A. and Tully Blanchard. Now, Tully Blanchard was on a panel at StarCast, and he was on the War Games uh, retrospective. And somebody asked him about his daughter, right? Like, you know, I mean, you're you're up there, you're talking about War Games, but your daughter is also one of the hottest stars going right now. So somebody asked him about that, and he goes, well, you know, I don't know how much my daughter wants me to coach her because i keep saying well send me tapes of your matches i i don't know if tully like you know tully obviously is getting a little bit older and you know older people aren't as technologically inclined but could somebody tell tully blanchard that all of his daughter's matches are online all of them you like impact wrestling's global wrestling network if you download it and don't subscribe so you don't pay anything you still get all the Impact Wrestling episodes. They're posted there uh, like the morning after it airs. So if you don't get Pop or you don't get the Fight Network or whatever, you can watch Impact Wrestling for free just uh, on the Global Wrestling Network app. If you didn't know that, 
you're not alone. Tully Blanchard didn't know it either. So uh, Tully Blanchard's just sitting at home going, God, my daughter's a big famous wrestler, but, well, I have no way of seeing her wrestle. So Tully was taking Tessa not sending him tape as a sign that she doesn't want him to coach her. But I think really... Like, Tessa's 22, 23. Does she know how to send tape? Like, would she then put it on VCR and mail that to her dad? She's not going to know how to do any of that. To to physically tape something and send it to her dad. A 22, 23. She's 23. She's not going to know how to do that. So certainly there's a there's an age gap in communication going on in the Blanchard household. So I'm not, not sure how Magnum TA feels about all this. But after the women's match, it was Cody winning the NWA World Heavyweight Championship. Uh, followed by Hangman Page defeating Joey Janela in a Chicago street fight. And then following that match, uh, uh, eight people dressed up as penises came out. And uh, Joey Ryan rose from the dead in his own way. <laughs> and uh, came back and confronted Hangman Page. So it was sort of a, a payoff to that angle with not much explanation, but there were people dressed up as penises. So that took the, f- the focus. Sort of an interesting note on, on this. Uh, people, I guess, were sending a clip of this to Jim Cornette, seeing if he would just have a stroke. Uh, I think Cornette wrote back that he will not be watching it. There was a member of the Jarrett family who actually wrote a book about the patriarch. So I think it would be like Jeff Jarrett's grandmother. And he went to All In to sell copies of this book. And after All In, he was like, yeah, I'm not participating in this event anymore. Said that uh, the event embarrassed what his uh, great-grandmother had had worked towards uh, I don't know if he's been paying attention to wrestling in the last few years, but anyway, so a member of the Jarrett family, uh, who ever evidently never watched any of the programs that Jeff booked, uh, certainly never the ones that Jeff booked along with Vince Russo. So they left because of, I guess, the silliness and lowbrow humor of the Hangman Page, Joey Janela thing. Um... But, of course, it got a lot. See, here's the thing. On the same show, you got an old-school NWA World Championship match. And then two matches later, you got eight people dressed up as penises. That's what wrestling is right now. There's all these different styles. And sometimes you get shows where different styles are going to play out on the same show. Now, the, the NWA anniversary show that's coming on October 21st, I will go ahead and say there's probably a 99% chance that there won't be anybody dressed up as penises. I don't, I don't just... I mean, I feel like there, might, there could be a couple who do it ironically, like in the, in the stands. Or Hangman Page could be involved in that show. But anyway, like the... Long story short, if Billy Corgan is booking the NWA 70th anniversary show, he's got a different image for that show than Cody and the Bucks had for All In. Anyway, 
So some uh, <laughs> so some inflatable penises came out and dragged Hangman Page away. I'm sure we will get brought up to date with what is going on with Hangman Page on an episode of Being the Elite this week. But anyway, he won that. Jay Lethal, um, Jay Lethal keeps flipping in and out of his Black Machizo, old Black Machismo gimmick in TNA where he was... Uh, where he, his character felt he was the Macho Man Randy Savage. Quite a lot of that happened in this match. So you, so you got, so, like, there was a lot of comedy in this match. You got the old school NWA world title match. Then you got, well, first you got the, the women's four-way, the NWA world title match. Then you got a bunch of inflatable penises. Then you got Jay Lethal thinking that he was Macho Man Randy Savage, thinking that Brandy Rhodes, who had come out with Flip, was Liz, and uh, the genius Lanny Poffo also played a role in that match. So, Jay Lethal, Macho Man, retained the title. Kenny Omega defeated Pentagon Jr. We talked a bit about Chris Jericho coming in and interrupting. Uh, well, not interrupting, the match was already over. Pentagon actually given Omega the arm breaker. And then gave him the fear factor, and then Omega kicked out. So, 12 days out from his IWGP World Heavyweight Championship match with Tomohiro Ishii. 12 days out as of this. He, was, he had his arm hyperextended by Pentagon. 15 days out from the first big destruction show for New Japan Pro Wrestling, which is on the 15th and will be main evented by Tomohiro Ishii challenging for Kenny Omega's IWGP Heavyweight Championship. The semi-main event was Kazuchika Okada versus Marty Skrull. And this was a match where I think most people assumed that Kazuchika Okada was going to win, but they did a great job of creating several moments where it looked like Marty Skrull was actually going to pull things out. Uh, in the end, however... It was Okada getting the victory. And then in the main event, in a match that they're saying was reduced from 28 minutes to 12 um, because they had to get the pay-per-view in under the four-hour time window they had for pay-per-view. Uh, so they had to get everything in in quick succession down from 28 minutes to 12 now, speaking of the main event of All In, you had Rey Mysterio, Bandito, Phoenix, three of the best luchadors in the world, the Young Bucks, Kota Ibushi, three of the best wrestlers in the world. And it's this big main event that's supposed to send all the, the fans home happy because it would be just such a good match. I thought... The firing squad needs to run in and try and ruin this match. I thought that would have been... It would have gotten such heat. Because a lot of the fans of, of being the... Uh, well, a lot of fans of New Japan Pro Wrestling didn't like what the firing squad did throughout the G1. All the interference. They referred to it as Americanized version of, of New Japan Pro Wrestling. That's one way to take it. Another way to take it might have been, hey, we're trying to build the firing squad up as the antagonist to the Bullet Club elite in the United States. We don't want Bad Luck Fale or Tama Tonga 
to have poor records in the G1, but the way we've booked the G1, we want Kota Ibushi coming out of Block B, and we want Tanahashi coming out of Block A, so these guys aren't going to win. How about instead of having them lose all their matches, they lose by DQ? I don't know. That's that's one way to put it, but there was a, a, a lack of the firing squad at All In. And when you think of... I'm not saying that's a bad thing. Um, but in New Japan Pro Wrestling, that's what they want to build. Like, on September 30th, New Japan Pro Wrestling returns to Long Beach, and you've got the Young Bucks defending the IWGP Heavyweight Tag Team Championships against Tamatanga and Tangaloa, the Gorillas of Destiny. So I'm thinking at All In, they're going to build something for this match, right? So... The firing squads in Chicago, you know, they've been doing interviews, they've been uh, taking part in podcasts, so they're there. What if they just ran in, tried to disrupt the match like they did in the G1, and then all six of the, the wrestlers in the main event then just fight them off and then go back to their match? Maybe that was planned, and with the shortened time, they just didn't get to it. But Tomatonga was in Chicago... And he took part in an interview, which I thought was uh, uh, pretty interesting. So he took part in an uh, interview with What Culture Wrestling, uh, which is based in the UK. And Tonga said during the interview, uh, I'm the only one who stayed loyal to that company in reference to New Japan Pro Wrestling. Even when WWE came to me not once, but effing twice so this is no secret tomatonga has said before i've turned down wwe um he mentioned here he's turned down wwe twice so i don't know when that second recruitment of tomatonga took place but tomatonga is a loyal new japan guy i mean he came up through the dojo system Tangaloa, he was in WWE's system. He didn't come to New Japan until he was let go. Um, Tomatonga always like has always stayed uh, true to New Japan Pro Wrestling. Uh, recently, he ran into some trouble though. He was banned from Twitter for twelve hours. Uh, New Japan Pro Wrestling president um, Harold Mage, Harold May. I guess, sorry, that's how you pronounce the name. Uh, sort of made a point after Tomatonga got in trouble on social media that now with New Japan's international expansion, some of our English-speaking wrestlers need to be a little bit more guarded in what they say. He had done an interview saying, you're not going to see people flipping the bird or, or swearing in English anymore. Now, in the show since he said that, though, there's been people flipping the bird and people swearing. So I... I what was written in the Wrestling Observer newsletter was that they were basically told, just try to clean it up a little bit so it doesn't sound like any strict orders were handed down. Um, but Tama has been a little bit more guarded on, on uh, his social media since. And as he said of social media, everything's changing. Start off with StarCast. Start off with All In. It's changing. The business is changing. Wrestlers and fan interaction is changing because of social media. And then he sort of stumbled on his words a little bit. He says, it's causing us to be more friends. 
So Tom Atonga, it does sound like he's learning to be a little bit more friendly on social media. He had the thing that got him banned from Twitter is he had he had just gotten into some argument with uh, I think some fans that were bashing what the firing squad was doing in the G1, and then I think somehow in there, uh, Tama, because Tama was in the Air Force or something. Like Haku made him go to the Air Force for four years before he wrestled, and so there was some debate over Tama. Somebody had brought up Tama's service, and things just kind of spiraled from there. But anyway, Tama Tonga. I'm not sure who all... I know Tama Tonga was in Chicago. I think most of them were. Uh, but they did not appear on All In, and there was no building towards the big match against the Young Bucks um, at Long Beach. So, Also at Long Beach, Cody Rhodes is going to uh, defend... Or, sorry, Cody Rhodes has got a chance to go for another championship belt... Uh, against Juice Robinson on September 30th. Juice Robinson defending the IWGP United States Championship against Cody. Cody will likely be going into that match already the NWA World Heavyweight Champion. Now, we have seen the NWA title has appeared on New Japan Pro Wrestling Programming before. Um, like, before Billy Corgan took it over. Uh, like, that's how Chase Owens came in. Chase Owens was the crown jewel of the NWA. Um... And then later was added to Bullet Club. So <clears throat> we'll see. That should be a big match, though. You've got the NWA World Heavyweight Champion going up against the IWGP United States Champion. And, of course, Cody Rhodes and Juice Robinson met in the Tokyo Dome in 2017. Juice was a student of Cody's father. And, of course, Juice Robinson in the last two years has really upped his stock so what else is going on in the world of professional wrestling? So another uh, wrestler who did not appear at All In was Neville. Now, three weeks ago, nobody would have been surprised that Neville didn't show up at All In. But what happened in the week leading up to All In is reports came out that he was completely free and clear of his contract. Um, that his... He has nothing left on his contract with WWE in terms of, say, a 90-day no-compete clause. Nothing like that. Neville's free to take bookings starting now. And that's the current uh, common belief. Of course, known as Pac before he went to WWE, widely regarded. And now he wants to make... He wants to rebuild his name outside of WWE. We'll see if he's going as Pac... Will Ospreay sent out a tweet kind of calling dibs. He was calling dibs on the first match with Neville. So what comes next for Neville in his career? It's a little up in the air. Sean Waltman gave some suggestions for Neville on his podcast. He said it's better if he does a surprise at All In or something like that, which he did not do. He's right up there in the conversation with the best in the world right now. The fans that are behind the all-in and the whole indie movement, they put him on a pedestal. And they look at him in the light he deserves to be looked at. Now, it could just be the case that Neville, his contract coming clear, just it came too late for him to be on all-in. 
So he's now, you know, Neville, really, before we get into the 2019 free agency blitz that's going to happen in the world of wrestling, Neville is a free agent right now that has to be being courted by several promotions. Is he going to, we're going to see Pac Neville in World of Sport in the UK. Are we going to see him for Ring of Honor? Are we going to see him in New Japan Pro Wrestling? Is Don Callis going to make a play for him in Impact Wrestling? There's a lot we don't know about what could come next for Pac, what could come next for Neville. What we do know is there's nothing... Well, we don't know this. The current belief is there's nothing stopping him from performing right now. So Neville slash Pox, re-debut in the world of professional wrestling, could come at any time. In any promotion. Except for WWE. Well, even then. But it's quite unlikely. There is another wrestler who's actually signed to WWE who perhaps doesn't want to go to Raw or SmackDown, is happy being outside of Vince McMahon's crosshairs. And that man is the current NXT champion, Tomasa Champa. And Champa, who many are calling the greatest heel in pro wrestling right now. And of course, NXT is WWE. And most of the people that listen to this show, watch the YouTube videos, not big WWE fans. But even fans who don't like WWE are raving about what Tommaso Ciampa and Johnny Gargano have done. Those same fans are probably feeling like, my God. Well, I don't know if they talk like Jim Ross, but by God, if Champa gets called up to oh, us, funny, uh, Jim Ross was on a, a Starcast thing, and and my girlfriend was watching him, and I, I I sort of had to refer to Jim Ross. I was like, he's like wrestling's grandpa. He'll sometimes interrupt with really old stories. He maybe doesn't get the the modern era of pro wrestling, but you kind of. You kind of listen to him because he's built up so so much respect that you just kind of respectfully listen. Yeah. Um, what the hell was I talking about before I said that? Right, okay, so Tommaso Ciampa. So Tommaso Ciampa, he put out this tweet. Now, again, with Twitter, you don't know, or with Tommaso Ciampa on Twitter, you don't know what's real, what's him just trolling, what's him just trying to get his character up. But he said something that I thought was really cool. He said... I'm insulting when people refer to me to me as simply a wrestler. I'm so much more. I am a sports entertainment. So that line's just to get heat with pro wrestling fans. Because he's saying I'm a WWE guy, not a pro wrestling fan. And he knows how much people like most likely you feel about that. But then the next, the next paragraph he wrote was just enough to get those fans back on his side. He said, I'm equally insulted when people ask me about being called up. NXT is the pinnacle of this industry. I will spend the remainder of my career here proving it. I think a lot of fans like the idea of Tommaso Ciampa spending the rest of his career in NXT. If he goes up to WWE, I mean, what's he going to be? You know, he's just going to be lost up there. He's going to be thought of as too small. 
but in NXT, you get to see him have these kick-ass matches on TakeOver every couple of months. He does cool things on NXT programming. So I think a lot of people were, uh, were happy that Tommaso Ciampa just promised to never go to the main roster, even though he's likely not serious about that. And he likely doesn't have a choice about it. Like, has anybody ever said, nah, I'll, I'll stay up in NXT. I'll stay in NXT. You know, if Vince hears somebody doesn't want to leave NXT to go to his roster, that might be it for that person. Although they'd then be like a huge hero in the indie scene. So Champa also put this out. He, uh, uh, PWI's top 500 list was released not too long ago. And so Champa instead decided to put out his top 10. And of course, each entry is a version of his own name. So that's that's Tommaso Ciampa for you. Uh, NXT was back filming episodes from Full Sail University. I don't know what happened because I want to watch it play out on the network. And that is going to do it for another This Week in Pro Wrestling brought to you by Spoiler Free Wrestling. I've been your host, the I Guy Ian Carey. You can check me out during the week at sescoops.com. I'll keep you up to date with everything going on in the world of professional wrestling. You can also check me out at Twitter. I'm at Ian is a good dude, as I do try to be a good dude. You can also check us out at uh, our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash spoilerfreewrestling. The best thing you can do to help this show is to please leave us a five-star review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast. Uh, remember, five stars are nothing, please. Thanks very much, guys. I'm the I Guy, Ian Carey.